my name is Michael Serafinchin, and um, par- employed half-time at Prairie Harvest Church uh, right now on pastoral staff. Been there, I think this is my going into my sixth year now, so uh, surprisingly a little bit nervous to be in front of a different crowd than the church crowd that I'm used to today, but uh, there's a lot of familiar faces out here as well. And uh, I think it's, it can be a little bit challenging to, to share, uh, like in this format, a testimony because you kind of don't know how much you should censor of, of the past. You know, you don't want to glorify the old man too much and you don't want to uh, leave too much out either because people need to know the change that happens in a person when they meet Jesus. And so it's been, it's been a little bit challenging throughout the day wrestling with what to share and what not to share. And, uh, but I think I'll just be honest and... Uh, and uh, let, let it fall. Um, so I grew up in Yorkton here, and I grew up going to the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which was done in Ukrainian uh, throughout the service. There was the Divine Liturgy, and there was half in English on one side and half in, in Ukrainian on the other. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I wasn't really able to connect very well uh, with God in that format. It was just, you know, with the language. I mean, I, I used to speak the language when I was younger, but... Uh, it kind of wore off and and I didn't understand a whole lot so you kind of going there because your parents require you to to attend and uh, so my relationship with God was more fear-based at that time I remember uh, always wanting to say the Lord's Prayer before bed just in case this whole thing is actually true and that's no joke. Like through my through my years that I grew up and and left uh, left Yorkton and 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 you know wasn't attending any churches. I sort of was one of those I guess you could say new agey type of people. I, I kind of made up my own version of what spirituality is or is not. And I thought I was quite well versed in it. Actually, I used to defend it quite well. And and. Uh, but but every night I still said the Lord's Prayer before bed, uh, no matter how, like, I think how drunk I was or how whatever I, I may, have, may or may not have been, I always uh, said the Lord's Prayer before bed just in case because I was a little bit nervous about, you know, this, this Jesus thing. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I kind of got tangled up in, in a little bit of a mess when I, when I was, uh, I guess it would be my, maybe my early to mid-twenties, uh, kind of found a real love for for smoking marijuana and uh, and friends of mine and I we chipped in and bought a large quantity so we were selling it out of our house we had a couple pounds of it on hand pretty much any given time we had people break into our house uh, looking for it so my roommate came home once and and saw the clothes in the basement swinging on the on the drying rack and uh, and the lights were were on when he went by the window and then they were off when he got in the house and when he went down in the basement, he went down to our room where we, where we used to keep our, our goods hidden and some man in a black ski mask took off up the stairs. And, uh, and so, you know, we were kind of, you know, playing with fire a little bit. They, they had some uh, friends that were uh, passing fake $100 bills. I don't know how they somehow were making these, but they were passing uh, deals through, uh, through some of the uh, stereo shops in Calgary at that time. Um, and 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 they would it was a long story but they could sort of finance and and steal a stereo system and then pay for it in cash through the store and uh and so our phone was tapped and shortly after i I left calgary i managed to graduate actually i should say with a degree in social work through all of this um (laughs) i was telling my wife yesterday i'm glad that school came easy for me because like i was smoking 
pot every day. And I would just take short little breaks to get my papers done and, uh, and then resume like I'd be skipping home happy so that I could go home and get high again because I just handed in a paper. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, but towards the end, I really felt strongly that I needed to leave Calgary. I didn't really know why or what, but uh, I just felt it was time to get out and go. I came back to Yorkton here. I didn't have a job lined up or anything, but I, but I moved back here. And I think about a month after I left, my roommate got arrested for selling a quarter pound of, of uh, pot to an undercover police officer. They had done a couple of pre-buys with him and then arranged to meet him somewhere. And all of a sudden there's lights and sirens and police swarming the vehicle and so I was quite happy to have uh, avoided some of that potential mess uh, and and so I kind of settled back in Yorkton and uh, before I, I fully uh, committed to staying in Yorkton I wanted to um, go are you <laughs> my wife is fighting a yawn I'm boring her she's heard it all before <laughs> sorry honey <laughs> anyway um, so I, I actually uh, went to work for Royal Caribbean on a cruise ship for six months. And while I was gone, I kept phoning one of my friends uh, from one of our, our, our port stops and asking him how the winter was going because typically uh, the winter would involve making a batch of wine and going out to the ice shack and, and smoking weed all day and drinking wine. And so I kept wondering what I'm missing out while I was gone. Um, of course, I had to actually pass a, a drug test to get on the ship, so I had to have a little bit of restraint there and, and manage to, to do that. So, but, but while I was gone, he kept telling me, ah, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not, I'm not involved in that sort of lifestyle. And I was thinking, like, what, what are you talking about? And uh, I think he had two children already. Maybe a, th a third was, maybe they had three kids already, unmarried, and couldn't stay together, couldn't make their relationship work. And in the six months that I was gone, he he uh, he got married, and and all he's not doing the things that we used to do. And I was thinking, like, what is wrong with you? And uh, he says, Well, I got this new friend, this new guy that I'm hanging out with, and you don't know him, but uh, he's a good guy, and, and I'll tell you more about it when you get home. So so I got home, and uh, and he started sharing about Jesus with me, and this is what happened in his life, and I was I was not. Uh, interested in in hearing this, uh, I think it you know it's challenging to hear about about Jesus because it confronts us to to have to bow the knee and and if we seriously do that then you know we're giving up our life in hopes of something that he has for us but it can be kind of unsettling or, or not really sure what we're getting into so uh, he was ministering to me out of the Bible which infuriated me because I kept saying well that's fine if you believe the Bible to be true, but I don't, so everything you're saying doesn't mean anything to me. And uh, meanwhile, I met this other friend of his. Uh, many of you probably know him. His name is Jeff. And, uh, and so Jeff, I, was the, I came back uh, from the cruise ship, and, uh, and uh, he was taking me fishing a lot. I was kinda, didn't have a job because I just got home, and so he's taking me fishing and talking to me about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. And... You know, I had a lot of questions. We stayed up late till you know, like two, three in the morning sometimes, in the park in the back alley, talking and sharing. Uh, but I still didn't see. I think part of what happens to us, um, maybe it was just me, but I think it could happen to others too. I was looking at his life and thinking, well, I don't want to be like him. Like he professed at that time that God told him he wasn't supposed to be married for his whole life and remain celibate. And I'm thinking, this is not what I want. Like this. <laughs> 
I want to get married and have kids, right? And so I'm looking at him and I'm thinking like, you know, you're not selling me here because I don't know what, what, what you have is not what I want. Um, but I thought, okay, well, in fairness, like I've, I've prayed my way through life that I've fumbled through till this point, so I, I should continue. So, so I did, and, uh, and as I prayed, I, I always felt like I sort of heard God in some way, shape, or form. But for about a month, I prayed in earnest, you know, Jesus, is this real? Like, are you the way, the truth, and the life like you say you are? And that no man can come to the Father but through you? And I, it was like it was like a eerie silence in my prayer life at that time. Like I always felt like I heard something from God, but this was this was very quiet. And and eventually, I was kind of getting it was getting to be about a month or so, and I was thinking this this just doesn't feel right. Like I think this is actually true. I was really beginning to get convicted in, inside of myself. And uh, I'll never forget uh, one night uh, I I reached. I put my hands behind my pillow, lying in bed, and I felt something cold. And immediately, I knew what it was. I knew, I, I thought, if, if this is what I think it is, this is too crazy. And it was an American nickel, and I flipped it over, and it said, in God we trust on it. And I knew right away what it was before, as soon as my hand touched it, and I somehow knew that it was an American nickel, and I knew what the message was going to be, because God was speaking to me. And so, um, you know, not long after, I, I said, okay, Jesus, if this is... If this is true, then I'm bowing the knee, and, and, uh, and I did. And I asked him into my life, and asked him for forgiveness, and, and made him my Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, my life uh, didn't turn out to be like my friend's life was, thank God. And um, you know, <laughs> he eventually came around and got married, too. So um, Anyway, uh, so it's been a journey, you know, for me since, uh, you know, I... I um, don't really know what to say about my life in that way. I mean, I just try to have a simple relationship with Jesus where I want to find out what his will is for my life, his plan and his purpose, and to the best that I can uh, to obey that. And, and I think that, uh, I don't know, I really enjoy that. It's, it's a good thing. I haven't had as many laughs or, or you know, missions trips to Mexico and just a lot of different uh, enriching things in my life having, having him in my life and and I wouldn't change anything obviously because now I know what the truth is but uh, uh, so anyway over the course of time you know I, I, I you know we've been ha hearing some teachings on uh, on on healing and I know that John uh, carries a, a healing ministry anointing in his life and so I just wanted to share a couple of stories uh, since the time that I became a Christian that uh, that involved healing and uh, and then I'll turn it over to John but uh, uh, one of those instances uh, we, we had well we still do have Prairie Harvest Employment Program we put young men to work uh, in the community and one day we had a football game with these guys and I hurt my ankle quite badly I was I don't know what happened but by the end of the day I could hardly walk I was limping and at the same time, I felt like the Lord was encouraging me to take this young uh, man to Regina to a Rough Riders game. And he said he'd never been on a motorcycle before, and I had a motorcycle at the time. And I really felt the Lord was, was encouraging me to do this. I had been given a pair of free tickets, and, uh, and so I was praying, and I was saying, well, Lord, you know, if I'm supposed to take this young fellow with me, I, I need some encouragement from you. And, and also... Uh, the, the ankle that I hurt was on my, 
my foot for my gear shifter and it and I couldn't shift gears on my bike it was this you know this happened on like a Friday and the game was on a Saturday and I could hardly walk so I was just really earnestly seeking the Lord and saying you know if I'm supposed to take this guy you're gonna have to heal my ankle because I can't take him on my bike and I went to bed that night I still didn't know I told him I'd call him the next day uh, around lunch and we would decide if we were gonna go and so that night I went to sleep my ankle was still really bothering me. I remember I woke up around 2 in the morning. I live in a story and a half house, and there was no bathroom on the half story. So I had to truck 14 stairs down to use the washroom at about 2 in the morning. And I literally pulled myself up by the handrail uh, to get back to the top of the stairs. And again, at about somewhere around 5 or 6 in the morning, I woke up again, had to use the washroom, hobbled down the stairs, hobbled back up the stairs. And sometime I fell asleep again, and sometime between 5 and 8 in the morning, or 6 and 8 in the morning, when I woke up again, I had a dream. And in my dream, I was at a church service, and Pastor Des and another uh, former pastor from our church, Tony Hallett, were, were in my dream. And I came up to the front for an altar call, and they laid hands on me, and I fell over in the spirit, and I was hovering about 6 or 8 inches off the ground. And they kind of almost like I was on a mechanics cart or a gurney, they kind of took me, I was, I was stiff as a board and I was floating and they just gently took me down the main aisle, uh, the, the, down the, uh, the main aisle in the, in, the, in, the, in the sanctuary and set me at the back of the church. And that was the end of my dream. I woke up sometime after that around eight in the morning and I was limping until I realized that my ankle was not in pain at all anymore and it was completely healed during that window between 6 and 8 in the morning through my dreams. So just really neat to, to see God do that for me. So needless to say, I took this young fella to, uh, to Regina on the Ryder game and uh, to the Ryder game. He almost fell off on the way back, actually. I could feel him nod off to sleep, and he jerked backwards, <laughs> grabbed onto me. It was, it was a little bit hairy. Stefan still bugs me. He says, I can't believe you did that. But uh, anyway. Um, Another story about uh, just regarding healing that, uh, that happened to me was again recently uh, I had been doing some work and there was something that was really bothering me in my hand and uh, it was really quite painful like to the point where when I would roll over at night it would wake me up from the pain in my wrist. This was only about maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago and I was just telling some friends at church and, they, and, and my friend Clint said hey let's pray for you right now so they prayed for me and some of the education that we've received on prayer is that you encourage people to test out the body part that you're praying for immediately after to see if there's anything that changed. So I was checking it out, and I was kind of discouraged that nothing had happened. And, uh, and so during the message that day, Pastor Des had referenced the scripture in, uh, in Mark 16, and uh, among other things, it says that... and. This is the fruit of, of um, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And Desmond reminded us that Sunday that that scripture, the part that says, and they will get well, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get an instant miracle. It means that you can be healed over time. And it really ministered to me in that moment because I was discouraged that my wrist was not healed. 
And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to take that. I take that. Okay, I, that's, that's a good word. And so I woke up the next day and I went to work. And uh, about 11 o'clock in the morning, I was driving the recycling bus, filling in for somebody. And I realized my wrist has zero pain whatsoever. This had been bothering me for probably two to three weeks already. And again, uh, the next day, it, it was completely gone. So just really awesome to, to receive that as well. And, uh, and so, yeah, I guess the last story I wanted to share is, is, uh, is one that uh, I was involved in, in uh, helping to pray for somebody as well. And so there, we have a neighbor um, who my wife befriended, and uh, when she was pregnant with her second child, she was, I believe, um, maybe passed out or she was getting some migraine headaches and things, and so they did some diagnosis on her and found out that she had a brain tumor, they said about the size of a toonie, like small golf ball size, and it was pushing on her optic nerve. And they said that she needed to have surgery to remove it or she would go blind. And, and so uh, they had scheduled her for some MRIs and, and checked it out and booked her for a surgery. And there was several people in the community that were praying for her. Uh, and one day I ran into her at our, uh, we had a, a coinciding co-op nursery school child drop-off and I ran, ran into her there and was asking her how she was doing and she was, she was kind of shaken up, she was a little bit choked up and, and I asked her, well, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. And, you know, another one of the things that we've been challenged with in learning about healing is that we have to be bold and go out into the community. Like, this just isn't for inside the church, but it's something to take out into the community. And sometimes God will meet us in those places, maybe more than uh, just praying in a church, because he's looking to grow us and stretch us as well in our walk. And so there I was outside the nursery school. I closed my eyes, and I was praying for her. I was so nervous, and I could feel, I could feel the shadows of people walking back and forth past us to drop their children off. And I was praying for her outside of the nursery school. And she later told me that she was quite surprised that I had prayed for her right then and there. She thought that I would maybe like take, take it home and pray for her there. Like we often say, I'll pray for your brother, and then we go home and maybe we do or don't pray for somebody. But um, anyway, so a little bit of time went by, and I was in the backyard, and her name is Anna. Anna came over, and, uh, and she was she was jumping up and down and, and, and excited. And she said that uh, the, the day before that, she had gone in for her surgery. They told her originally that they were going to have to, I believe, cut her, her uh, skull open. And then they kind of downgraded it and said, well, we can go in through your nasal cavity and remove it that way. But there's a strong chance you're going to um, have no sense of smell after that. And so she was encouraged, but, you know, still was concerned about the surgery. So she comes over the next day, and she was explaining that uh, she went in for surgery, and they put her out, and then they woke her up from, from the surgery. And she asked the nurse, what time is it? And the nurse said, it's 9.45 in the morning. And she said, well, the surgery was supposed to take six hours, and I've only been out for 45 minutes. What's going on? And the nurse said, I'm not at liberty to talk to you about that. Uh, you'll have to speak to your doctor. And so she was panicking and thinking, oh, my God, they're going to tell me that I have an inoperable tumor now. Anyway, what happened was they, they reviewed her MRI again. They, they put, did another one pre-op, and 
They actually thought they mixed it up with somebody else's. They had to double check it, and it was indeed hers. And turns out that they woke her up because there was no surgery that was needed. Uh, she, they said that the brain tumor had, had died um, between the two times that she had been for appointments, and they said that about 80% of it was already gone entirely, and the last 20% uh, looked like it was going to just continue to shrivel up and die. And so she came over the next day. She still got the sticky stuff on her neck from, from like the, the whatever monitors and IVs and things that they had. And she was jumping up and down and, and, and praising God for healing her. This woman doesn't know Jesus as a personal savior yet, uh, but he reached out and touched her and healed her. And, and she's been for follow-up now, and the thing is 100% completely gone. So we're just really grateful for that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to learn more, though, because, uh, you know, we, we, need, we need more of God's presence and power to, to take him into the world and, and that, you know, these signs would follow us who believe, that we could demonstrate, you know, who our Savior is, who our Father is, who he really is, you know, and I think it's a wonderful uh, benefit of, of being a believer, but I think it's something wonderful that we can offer the world as well. And so uh, with that, I'd like to turn it back over and uh, thank you for your time.